Please be advised. The following podcast may contain opinions, advice, or other suggestive content regarding mental health, and as we are not experts, should be treated as discretionary. Please consult with a medical professional if you are struggling with mental health issues. Alternatively, if you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please dial 988 or go to your nearest emergency room. Guess what? We're back at it again. Stoked to bring you this one because it's about to change the game. It's called Speak Up. And it's what we're going to do right here for the next hour on this podcast. We're going to speak up about it because that's what we're trying to get across here. The idea of speaking up against stigma. A common problem with mental health is that it is stigmatized. And we've talked about it before. So we decided to create an entire episode dedicated to confronting stigma and things you can do to reduce it in your community. So, like I said, we're back at it again. Hope you had a great week, listener, since we last met. Or if you're listening to two episodes in a row, maybe you've had a great couple of minutes in between. But we don't really care. We just want you to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, stigma is insane. I, when you when you decided that this could be an episode for us, I, it, it just got me really excited because that's the one word people tie to mental health, right? I would say people, maybe not the one word. I think there's a lot of words that people tie to mental health. But let me say this. I get what you're saying because it's almost like the one judgment mm-hmm. mm, that yeah. people tie to mental health. That much is true. So I guess we should talk about it, you know? Yeah, when I, I, when I suggested this idea to Justin and I sent him the outline, he was like, oh, hell yeah, brother. I'm stoked for this one. <laughs> he texted me. <laughs> That's <over>. anything Kevin <laughs> texts me. <laughs> yeah, he's just overly enthusiastic. He's like, oh, hell yeah. I can't wait, brother. I can't wait. <laughs> and now we're here. But I yeah. mean, you know, give us an idea. You You thought stigmatizing mental health has has always been an issue and we've heard it from people's mouths maybe from this podcast or i've run into some folks recently that they're always saying like there's such a stigma around mental health so let's start there yeah well i mean it makes me think like what is stigma you know because we've heard the word a bunch but maybe it's just so ingrained in our society or in our perception of mental health that we forget what it actually is so i wanted to be sure to include the definition And the definition of stigma technically is when someone sees you in a negative way because of your mental illness. So I associate it with a judgment. I mean, a judgment, but look at the definition itself. It's It's so defined. I thought it was just a negative outlook on X said thing, but not because of your mental illness, you know? And maybe that's why I've always thought the two were quite associated. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's it's very concise, the definition. You know, um it has to do with when so, like when it says when someone sees you in a negative way because of your mental illness. So mm. either they're projecting judgments or they have this sort of internalized opinion about your mental illness. I think that's what it is. It's more of an internalization. Mm. That's what stigma is. Um but let's not confuse it with discrimination and Mm. discrimination was something i wanted to include here because although it's not stigma it's tied to stigma and it's probably one of the most important parts about this concept of of stigma uh, stigma right so when someone acts upon or exercises their beliefs around their particular stigma it is known as discrimination insane to me yeah you wouldn't even think the two were correlated for a while no But the definition says when someone treats you in a negative way because of your mental illness, it's very close to the definition of stigma, but the the definition of discrimination is when someone treats you in a negative way because of your mental illness. So stigma Mm -hmm. is more like I have this internalized uh, opinion or judgment towards you and your mental illness. Discrimination is when I actually act upon it or exercise it and treat you differently. Mm -hmm. No, it's very well put together. Yeah. 
But then it kind of raises the question of like, isn't all of this tied to the internalization of how we judge people, which is to your first point. It seems like it's just a judgment. We're, 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 we're putting labels on judging folks and then how we treat them as we judge them. And it's interesting because especially on this podcast, I mean, it's one thing to like be aware, right? Which we've discussed. It's another thing to, you know, see how you are in the outside world and vice versa and I think that all of us get in our heads about a lot of things, but then it almost feels like that avoidant behavior that we've also discussed, right? Like if you're trying to avoid talking about this said topic of mental health, it does essentially become an illness. That's my opinion. Um, therefore becoming the stigma, which doesn't, I don't know. I mean, just, I'm thinking out loud here because we're just openly talking about it to start the show, but I think stigma would be created because of the avoidant behavior in which you're trying not to discuss your own mental health. Maybe I could be very wrong. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. It's almost like by avoiding these opinions or these negative beliefs, you're more like fueling the fire and more likely to discriminate because of them, as opposed to confronting the stigma, which is the whole idea of this episode here, which is to say, I have, you know, be take it as an admission say mm. i admit i have these negative beliefs or i'm noticing that oh you know shoot i i have negative opinions about this particular illness or whatever i'm going to recognize that and overcome it and do my best not to let those judgments overtake my actions yeah that's where awareness meets maturity almost right i mean so many people are trying to avoid i hate to say the word avoid as as if it's negative but i've you and i've watched people day in and day out that you can't really tell that they're living with intention because it does feel like they have such an avoidant energy um and as it pertains to mental health i think it's only negative i really think that's that's really negative but then I want your thoughts on this. How many times have you and I, for instance, been in our head a little too much in which it was kind of creating a different type of negative, you know, experience or energy? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes when you are so aware and you're trying to be mature in, you know, acknowledging stigma or like you had said, admitting to kind of your negative view of said person or what might, what that might be, there becomes a little part in that where where it's a different type of negative, if that makes sense. Either of the two, I don't feel like are good for your mental health. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like... I mean, they're just judgments, you know? I mean, you could call it stigma, but I think stigma and judgment are, are very similar, right? Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, I, I've also been in situations where, you know, I might have some sort of judgment and it, it affects how I act or or you know i i may find myself exercising yeah those stigmas or those judgments uh in the way that i treat people not even consciously i think we're all i think we're all guilty of that to some extent 100 you know? the key is to be aware of it and make a conscious effort to contradict it right mm. and it all goes back to what we've always talked about which is awareness that is the number one pillar of positive mental health in my opinion mm -hmm. but just so you know there are different types of stigma so you know because stigma you would think it's like pretty self-explanatory oh it's just sort of like a judgment or when someone sees you in a negative way simple enough yeah. right well there are different contexts for when stigma may emerge and those relate to uh, the different types of stigma that i found so i do want to talk about those let's mm -hmm. go through them so there is public social stigma towards the individual. We've got one, two, three, four. We've got five types of stigma here, and that's the first. Public social stigma towards the individual. This has to do with the general public or a community, you know, the, the person's community. Um, stigmatize, you know, like sort of um, get, giving off this social stigma towards the individual. Mm. That is public social stigma towards the individual. And it's also particularly common in men and boys. So I did find that social and gender norms play a pretty significant part. So that's the first one. And then conversely, there's something interesting about this one, which is not only is the individual suffering from mental illness affected, but there is public social stigma towards family members. That's the mm. second one. Um, so it's very similar. It's like the pub the general public or you know the sufferer's community um, 
treating the family members of the sufferer differently because of that person's mental illness. So this has to do with questioning whether something is wrong with the family or withdrawing from sure. the family socially. Uh, and those things really do happen. Then we have self-stigma. This has to do with the internalization of negative social stereotypes um, that the sufferer may inflict upon themselves. Mm. You know, I'm I'm not good enough. I'm what's wrong with me? Um, I you know stuff like that. Um, that seems to be a pretty common stigma because I think it can be very overwhelming because if someone is the sufferer, then they're gonna probably beat themselves up the most. For sure. Um, so, so I would think this is the most prominent or at least the most common sort of stigma. Then we have workplace stigma. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Job mm -hmm. security. Oh, if I like if they find out about my bipolar disorder, I might get fired because they won't trust my ability to do my work um, being treated differently. Shoot, if they find out that, you know, I have depression, they might try to baby talk me or or ask me how I'm doing all the time. They'll treat me differently. Stuff mm. like that. That's workplace stigma. Professional stigma. This was the one I was most intrigued about because I didn't realize that this was a type of stigma that actually exists in the mental health community, but it does. And I've kind of heard a little a bit about how people talk about it, but but it it really does exist, and I I I was just super surprised that this is such a common stigma. Mental health care providers towards the individuals they treat. That's interesting to me. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. I mean, because you got to think like these therapists, psychiatrists; these are people right. too. That's right, and they're doing their best to be professional. But even I'm they, sure they may have, have yeah. stigma. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Well, it feels like a subconscious behavior, this, this whole stigma thing, you know, like oftentimes, like as we're thinking as human beings, I'm sure that most, we've talked about it before, like we're set on autopilot half the time. So when someone that's a real human treating another real human wants to say that they think that real humans going a little nutso, they're probably going to think it and say it right. Or treat them a certain way because of that. Um, there was an example. I remember when I was out here just getting to New York and I went to go see a doctor and I thought she was a total, she was so disrespectful. I, I didn't really like her energy. And the main reason was because like, I think I was being a bit, you know, fluffy or ignorant to like what my situation was with my throat or whatever. And, you know, she started treating me a certain way. Like, you know, this, this idiot's like in here and, and doesn't know anything to do with uvulitis or whatever it was. And I definitely felt that. So therefore I plan to not go see a nurse like that again. Or, I mean, the insecurity came into play because then I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, like I definitely uh, know nothing about this disease and nothing about antibiotics. And she knows everything and she balls in her core, but she thinks I'm an idiot, you know, but that goes to say for everything, especially when it comes to mental illness is people are still trying to find the right, uh, you know, labels and treatments and ways to combat it, but also move forward in your life if you've dealt with mental illnesses. And yeah, I mean, all of that makes so much sense. I'm particularly interested in the one of uh, self-stigma because it's, you know, we talk about this a lot on this podcast that, you know, everything starts with you and your inner work and, you know, your mindset and how you're taking care of your mental health, right? To everybody listening. But to try and combat, uh, it's funny earlier, but when we were about to record, I told Kevin, I was like, oh, comforting stigma. He said, Justin, confronting. Uh, you know, so now, now the word is combating, but really combating self-stigma, I think is a great place to start. Don't you think? Cause that's the internalization, like you had said to negative social stereotypes, but more importantly, negative thoughts you have about what you think people might be thinking about you. You know what I mean? And if you can get a sense of confidence in trying not to be so, uh, self-stigmatizing, uh, then maybe that's the first place we start. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a good point because I think everything starts with what you can control, right? And what can we really control in this world, in this lifetime? We right. can only control ourselves and what we do, how we act, you know? And so self-stigma seems like the first step in fixing stigma, combating it at least, you know, like I, I can't necessarily control how the general public treats my family members and that type of stigma. I can't exactly control my colleagues and how they treat me in the workplace or my mental health care providers if they have certain opinions. I can't control that. That's all outside of myself. What I can control is myself. 
So I combat that first. And then once I've successfully done that and, you know, essentially um, abolished these uh, these ideas that I've held about myself and these these st personal stigmas that I've I've inflicted upon myself, then I can try to make it known in my community through, you know, certain proactive steps, which we'll talk about here. But I can I can proactively do things to reduce the stigma that um takes that's that stigma that other people are playing into that uh takes part in 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 some of these other stigma types that i listed you know something interesting too again i think we were so surprised by the professional stigma um but i wanted to talk about that you know i've told listeners here that i've had a, quite an extensive mental health journey and i've done years of mental health treatment and i've been really freaking blessed to have awesome doctors um, you know, I have like a psychiatrist and he is just incredibly supportive and a great guy. And he has seen me through the worst and he's professional. If I'm going through an emergency and need to call him, he'll pick up the phone and make sure I'm all right. That's what a good psychiatrist does. That's their job to to protect their patients. Right. Um, and he's been great. I had another psychiatrist before that who did the same thing. Right. Like super involved. Um, very genuinely cared about my well-being. I think that's a really noble and uh, it's just a great thing to do. And it shows a certain level of professionalism and like a, a psychiatrist or a therapist that they're doing their job and they're doing it well. Um, however, I have experienced this professional stigma. I remember there was this one doctor that I, I was working with at one point. Um, and I, I, he wasn't part of my primary treatment team. He was more like a secondary doctor that we were getting a second opinion on of, of a particular health issue. So I was meeting with this doctor for a bit and we brought him in to my primary treatment team's office. So it was me, my primary psychiatrist and this man. And he, when, when I walked in there, he was already sitting with my psychiatrist and talking, you know, like catching up because they must have known each other from wherever. But um, I saw that they shook hands like, hey, it's great to see you. They shook hands. And when I tried when I walked in the room and tried to shake his hand, kind of like, hey, it's great to see you. He wouldn't shake my hand. And he, I noticed that was a common thing with him. Granted, he could have been a germaphobe. He could have mm. had another reason for doing it, you know, sure. like, oh, but I was really off put by the fact that he wouldn't shake my hand. And I, I very much felt like it had to do with judgments that he had towards me. Towards, a patient. Yeah. And I'm sure he's a great doctor and, and knowledgeable, but that doesn't change the fact that he's a human being and might have his own like opinions about some of the stuff that these patients are dealing with. And I just yeah. thought it was so, I, I was kind of hurt by it. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Well, it brings up the greatest point, which is that we put a lot of professionals in the medical field, including mental health experts, like your psychiatrist on such a pedestal that they can't be their own, you know, they can't be anything other than this, like saving grace to us because we need them so badly. But isn't that the whole pandemic of the medical industry right now? Like everybody is suffering. They, I mean, to be honest with you, hats off to anybody who's listening that has family or maybe you're in the medical field. Maybe you're a nurse, a, shit, a firefighter, anybody who's in service these days. I've, I'm always thinking about their mental health because, you know, that's not just a job. It's a it's It's a lifestyle. And no matter what, your whole job is to be on for everyone else, but to have all the knowledge, tools, resources, and execution skills to be able to make sure that, you know, people like Kevin and I, if we're having an emergency are fully taken care of, you know what I mean? Like if you're having whatever said episode or I'm having whatever said uvulitis episode, you know, like there's things that we're putting on so much pressure into the medical business. And I think that's why professional stigma exists specifically in medical healthcare, because I don't know one person who's in the medical field that's not exhausted and drained and emotionally having withdrawals, you know, throughout their career. You, you think of any nurse or person who's in the medical field that we know, 
oh, call them tomorrow. I have no doubt that they have stories and also plenty of stigmas because they're just taking care of other humans. They just happen to, to have gotten a different degree than us. Uh, very expensive degrees, by the way. And then, you know, their job is their, their, their responsibility really is to take care of humankind. And that's a big, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I don't get me wrong. Like I have grace for, you know, medical, um, like healthcare providers and stuff like that, because it is a tough job. Um, and they are human too. I think we, you're right. We do have this tendency to put them on a pedestal that like they have all the answers because they're, they're helping us get better. I don't think that's the case. I think they're just human beings who happen to have a specialty in this professional knowledge and are doing their jobs. That's it. Um, right. so I don't right. think that the stigma goes away with even them. Mm. I think if they're the more educated they are, the less likely they are to have stigma. I think, for example, my psychiatrist is a very, very, very smart man and incredibly skilled. Um, and I, I think that has to do with the fact that he's probably extremely educated about the subjects and he realizes that these are nothing more than mental illnesses and they can easily be treated and that the majority of these patients are just normal humans suffering with an illness. And once that illness is treated with either medication or therapy, you know, that's it. It's, pr mm. it's pretty easy. And, and all of these mental health illnesses are extremely treatable, the majority of them, you know, even schizophrenia. You know, some of the most intense, um, like major mental illnesses are, are treatable. So I think with the education and the knowledge, I think it has to do with all kinds of stigma. You even see this sure. in racism. Like yeah. the key to ending racism, in my opinion, is education. Mm. The more educated someone is about, you know, these stigmas or these problems that these systemic problems that exist in our society the more educated sure. and aware a human being is the more they can combat them i mm -hmm. think education is the key to ending stigma or racism or negative beliefs whatever it is but i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a human being has to take the time to actively learn mm -hmm. and once they do then they can implement the change that is necessary yeah, so well said. And so many of us, I don't think, take enough time to try and do that. I mean, we're all caught up in a job or our social life or our relationship or our personal traumas and, you know, negative things that are happening in our life. We don't take time to like go educate ourselves. That's actually such a beautiful point. You know, a lot of times we try, I'm sure people try to educate themselves, but after you get out of school, right, grade school, college or whatever it might be, they always say like life is school, right? Like you should always be learning and growing uh, easier said than done kids. Right. Like I think a lot of us have to do a better job at that. Um, I would only see the positive side to it. Don't you? I mean, I would see that that's only going to bring positive outcomes in your life and helping you understand the world better. If you continue to educate yourself and it doesn't mean you have to go grab a book. You know, I think a lot of us are like, wait, Kevin and Justin are like telling me to go read a book or go back to school or get a second degree. I don't think it means that. I think, I, I mean, I learned through you. I learned through people I talk to. I think it's about staying curious, right? And maybe educating yourself and finding yeah. the best ways oh, to do there, that. There are so many ways that you can become educated that don't require like going back to school or picking up a book at the library. If you want to do that, that's great too. That is education and, and it will help you. Um, but I think, you know, using stigma as the example mental mm. health stigma, like there are resources online that you could even go, like some of these nonprofits, they have, they have websites with just pages and pages of resources and educational materials, pamphlets, newsletters, um, interviews with experts that you can just become educated at any time of the day. You just go online and, and right. check out some of these materials. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It's super accessible. And if you just right. take the time to do it, um, you know, that, that stigma can, can be erased. If, if everyone took the time to do that stigma would probably stop existing, which would be great, but it's not a perfect world. Right. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about like the harmful effects of stigma, because we've talked a lot about how stigma exists and there are different types of stigmas. Um, but I want to get in. The reason why I wanted to include this part in the outline is because there are 
very specific reasons why stigma is a bad thing, right? Like if we're combating stigma and we have a lot of things to say about it, like stigma is bad and, and, you know, let's try and get rid of it. We have to know why, like, why is it so important that we get rid of it? Why is it bad? Sure. Um, and so these are the the things I wanted to get into the, the sort of harmful effects that arise from stigma. So this is probably the most important one in, in my opinion, stigma contributes to the reluctance to seek help or treatment. I mean, think about it. If a sufferer is dealing with, you know, some kind of major mental illness and their stigma is getting in the way of them getting treated, they're just going to continue to suffer. That's yeah, the, like shoving that's the yeah. worst thing that could exactly putting all of it under the rug. And then before you know it, you just didn't even know it was an issue and it only gets worse. Right. That alone is a reason to erase stigma because that's terrible. Why, right. you know, we want to encourage people to get help. If stigma is contributing to the reason why someone is not getting help, right. that alone is worth erasing stigma. I mean, until today, until you're saying, I would have never known that was even like a thing. You know, we, we, we especially you and I, like we think very, very much um, in in a progressive way about our mental health. But I mean, anybody who's listening right now, I mean, this is very fruitful things Kevin's bringing up because essentially like you're right it, it, until you know what a stigma is and whether or not it's impacting you and whether or not you're putting things under the rug, you don't know that you can go get help or treatment uh, in some shape or form. Yeah. And check out these stats that I found that kind of contribute to this idea, right? The reluctance to seek help or treatment. Stigma prevents 40% of people struggling with anxiety or depression from seeking medical help. That's insane. It's like almost that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost half. And then on top of that, only 16.5% of individuals with depression worldwide seek help. And stigma around mental health is one of the primary reasons. 16% actually get help. So before we go into the other negative health effect, or sorry, the negative harmful effects, I mean, why do we think that is? What is Kevin and Justin's opinion on that? You first. Yeah, that's a good question. Because I kind of was thinking about that too. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that if someone is suffering with a mental illness, I, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my own personal experiences of of myself and people I know that have actually sort of been reluctant to get treatment when I have the when I had the idea that they were suffering with a mental illness that it was pretty mm. clear to me because you know I'm knowledgeable on this. Um, so I'm going to use those experiences real life to inform my answer here. And I think it has to do with the fact that it's a mental health, uh, someone suffering with a mental health illness admits that they have uh, a problem and need to get treatment. It's almost like you can never take that back because once you get treated and, you know, uh, you, there's this fear that, your community or your loved ones are going to find out eventually that you are being sure. treated for this and have a problem. And I think it has to do with the shame. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That and I don't know where the shame comes from sometimes because when we were growing up and everybody's generations are different too. And no matter who's listening, it's kind of dependent on what your, what your upbringing was and how your family was. I mean, there's so many, uh, pieces of this puzzle, right? For everybody individually. But in today's time, just like for anything else in the world, I mean, mental health, of course, like it's stigmatized. And I think there's a lot of things we're all still working through as a society to try and normalize it, which is why luminosity exists. Like we are trying to make this thing a little bit more normal for everybody to actually talk about and experience together. Because what happens, I think you're exactly right, Kevin, like so many times there's, there's, almost too much to work through that when someone tries to say, listen, I need help and I am struggling. I do not feel good. I'm not having a good day. I'm depressed. I've been depressed for three years. Like those things could be shameful. Right. And then that goes exactly to, um, this like, uh, self stigmatizing, right? Like you, some people are in their head so much that you're not only already dealing with the negative experience of your own mental health or mental illness, right? Issues. But then on top of that, you're adding some icing on the cake by being self-stigmatizing and thinking that, you know, it's a shame to talk to your family, your friends about these certain things, even professionals. Like I've heard many people these days say like, oh, I can't, I don't even know if I'm comfortable enough to talk to a professional about these things. And I think it's valid. 
you know, but some of that's just trying to understand like, okay, well, where are you in your life? How deep in the weeds are you with these mental health problems or issues or illnesses? And then trying to find the right sources and people to make sure that that has somewhat of a, you know, it, it has to make sense for you because Kevin's journey and my journey are very different yet. We're always in you know, in each other's lives, making sure that, you know, he has the right resources and I have the right resources and we're having the, you know, thoughtful conversations around the topics if we're both comfortable with it. You know what I mean? I think some of it's really just addressing it, which is what today is all about too. Yeah. And, you know, what you were just saying here got me thinking like, so one of the stats that I found says that stigma profoundly changes how people feel about themselves and the way others see them. However, here's what's interesting Despite the fact that that's true, here's another stat for you. Over 50% of individuals will experience a mental health disorder in their lifetime, making such conditions more common and, and relatable than previously realized. One in two people will experience I mean, mental I think, health. I would think it was more. I would think everybody, I and mean, this is like, you know, stats against opinion here, but just to, to, to pause you for a sec, I would think everybody, no matter where you are in your life, and I i mean, I've talked to both my parents and they've admitted to their anxieties, depressions, insecurities, I mean, everything. And it's all relative to their mental health. And we're just now having these conversations 27 years after I was born. I, I don't know. You, what do you think? I think everybody will go through some form of mental health issue before their lifetime is over. I agree. I don't think that's too big of a statement to make. I mean, think about it. The average human life is uh, 75, 80, 85 years. Right. I mean, a lot can happen in, in that much time. And I think just for that much time that, that a human being will encounter some kind of stressor during their lifetime at one point or another that will somehow ignite a mental health episode or an emergency where they need to seek help. It could be anything that that you know sparks uh, a mental health episode. It could I'll be, be honest. There's been days recently that I'm like, wait, I've never felt this numb, or I've never felt this excited about something yet had no idea how to pursue it. Or you know, it's positive and negative. There's been the best days where you still have mental health things to think about. And then there's the worst days where you really don't want to think about them at all. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, think of all that can happen in a in a human's lifetime. You know, they could get fired and lose their job and have financial stress and career stress. They could lose a family member or a friend in a, a car accident. You know, and and that sparks some kind of mental health crisis of you know anxiety or depression. They could. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it. there's a lot of relationships. I mean, we've talked yeah, about breakups. It's you know? kind of interesting up until, yeah, uh, the eight episodes up until now, we've covered a lot of exactly what you said. It could be a breakup in a relationship. It could, yeah, it could be so many scenarios. Addiction. Who knows? Like, you know, like, there's a lot and, of scenarios. Yes, there are. A lot can happen. And well, so we were talking about like, we were talking about how, how over 50 or how 50% of people will experience some kind of mental health crisis. Well, that's the ironic thing, right? You know, how, how many people are actually experiencing this and yet how much stigma is still negatively affecting, uh, you know, our community. But that leads to the second harmful effect. So we talked about, number one, reluctance to seek help or treatment. Number two, lack of understanding from friends, family, coworkers, or others. So that what we just talked about kind of plays into that harmful effect. Then we have... Fewer school, career, and social opportunities. Then we have bullying, violence, or harassment. Then we have, this is interesting, health insurance that doesn't adequately cover needs. And I wanted to talk about yeah, this one because I've seen this play out in friends and family where Same. they're dealing with something that they can't get treated properly because maybe they were predisposed as, you know, having a, a mental health illness and it's on their record sure. for that time. They went into the hospital one time, the you know, the health insurance company got wind of that and increased yep. their premium payment. Yeah. Well, shit, you know, what's the point of paying for health insurance? Right. If the health insurance companies are going to increase my premium and make for it even going in for accessible yeah. to get treatment when the ironic thing is that I need it. Right. And, and it's, we're going to work backwards here. So let's talk about the health insurance subject and then bullying, violence, and harassment. 
fewer school and social opportunities and a lack of understanding from everybody around you. The health insurance thing is interesting because I've heard several people since we've started this brand and podcast mention that they are not even confident that their men- that their mental health issues or illnesses will ever be supported by the healthcare industry. And I would continue to ask and think, okay, well, what are you talking about? Help me understand like what's up. And particularly a woman whose son has bipolar and schizophrenia, um, she's coming out of pocket. It's getting very expensive for him to keep going to doctor's appointments and, you know, obviously pulling in a therapist or psych and all these things. So bills on bills on bills on bills, and she's getting financially distressed. Yet, I, and I asked her the big elephant in the room. I said, well, listen, are you talking to your son about this? Or are you putting him in all these like medical rooms? I'm, you know, I just, you know, I have to ask you. And I told her, I was like, well, I'm not licensed. And I just, I think about these things a lot. So I'm curious. She said, no, she's like, he won't talk to me. I said, it's funny because not funny. I mean, it's, it's ironic. Uh, A lot of families are having that issue, which goes to the lack of understanding with friends, families, coworkers, because that is his life. He's dealing with whatever he's dealing with. And your parents are, they uh, thank God they birthed you, but they are not going to know what's inside your head. And all they're going to do is throw resources and put you in a hospital and try to help you figure your things out. But it's it's ownership. It is total ownership of the one person to like you, Kevin, to figure out like, listen, this is exactly what I'm dealing with. This is how I feel. It's not going to feel the same a week later, which is why I should have every right with whatever insurance I have to be able to check myself in and go get whatever resources I want with my mental health conditions and things that keep coming up. Because what happens is no matter what one person is dealing with, it's not going to look the same ever. You could be, I, I, I said it earlier, you have the best day today and then tomorrow you're going to wake up and something negatively happens or some, you know, negative happens, or you just don't feel good. And, you know, I'm not saying all these are extreme situations in which you would want to go get healthcare, you know, professionals involved, right? But sometimes if it adds up enough and stigmas compiling and getting in the way, then, it, you know, it gets to an extreme in which you should have every right to go, um, get checked in, figure it out, whatever that looks like, you know? Yeah. Well said, man. I mean, I, that's the thing that bums me out is like the whole purpose of the healthcare industry is to, to provide support to people who are paying for these insurance products. And it's just, it doesn't make sense to me that like for those who are in really dire situations that count on their, their healthcare, uh, their health insurance, that, the health insurance companies may not make it more easier for them to get the treatment they need. They might make it more difficult for them to get the treatment they need. That just sure. seems so oxymoronic to me. Right. And we're still living in a time. I mean, this kind of goes to the progress of our society. I think that even professionals in the healthcare industry, and if you're listening right now, we would love any comment thought you have, like whatever it might be, or if you have family that's in the healthcare industry, I think that industry is still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to figure out like, you know, whether it's care or an illness that they're trying to treat, quote unquote. I mean, my brother, for example, and I actually, I shouldn't have even brought this up, but you know, I've had family members or whomever, and they've been medicated on certain things. And like, sure, it's definitely been a thing for most people. I have yet to go on a medication. I'm looking for the alternatives in terms of like, I don't know, L-theanine, ashwagandha paste, sparkling waters. I don't know. Like I'm still, I'm still in my premature phase, right. Of, of this mental illness that I think that if it pops up, I feel like I would have, whereas some folks are far longer in the process. And I think healthcare professionals are seeing both, you know, and how awkward is it sometimes to go up to a doctor and say, hey, I'm not here to get blood work done. I've just been feeling really depressed lately. And sure, psychiatrists, to our point earlier, psychiatrists and therapists, listen, their role is to play the listener and to provide expert advice and possibly resources that can help you in which get expensive. It's like going to a trainer. You know, they say the mental like you're training your mind. I think that's very powerful. And for some people, it's not like, hey, training your mind to be an entrepreneur or training your mind to be like the next guru of the yoga industry. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying when you're training your mind to make sure that you're waking up with optimism, or if you're tackling trauma or grief or loss, again, things that we're talking about on this very podcast in the next couple of weeks, that there has to be a process that you as an individual go through in which you, it only works for you. You have your resources, you have, you know, your immediate family connections, coworkers, whatever that might look like. But again, like I, I would only say that like challenging anybody who's listening, when I say mastering the mind or, you know, you know, training your mind, 
get really comfortable navigating your own world and making this your world. You know what I mean? And it, you, if you have to get out of certain situations, environments, relationships in order to do that, so be it. But get in, get in your world and say, listen, this is what I need to be mentally healthy, mentally fit. And then you find the resources and the environments and the people to support that. Nice. So true. Yeah. I know what you mean about like getting into your own world. And I think part of, I hate to say it, but part of that has to do with like cutting out people who don't serve your mental health. And I've, I've, or not even people, just situations or environments. I've, I've done that too. I find myself even now, um, especially in my, you know, post treatment, um, sort of headspace, you know, like I, after being treated from a mental health issue all last year and going through that this year, I'm really taking it seriously and I'm, I'm trying to create my world, right? As you say, I'm, I'm, and this person doesn't serve me, cut them out. This person doesn't serve me, cut them out. Nothing personal. It's just, I have to do what's best for me. This environment doesn't serve me. I'm leaving, you know, it can be anything. Um, okay. But that, that is, um, those are some of the harmful effects. And then the last harmful effect that I wanted to read that kind of has to do with just this self-stigma that we were talking about. Um, I imagine it's most common with self-stigma, but it's the belief that you'll never succeed at certain challenges or that your situation can't improve. Yeah, I was just reading it. Yeah, what do you think of that? I mean, it all kind of makes sense. I don't, you know, when it comes to... It's, I mean, we talked about this with insecurity when we discussed the ego, but if you don't believe that you can succeed or overcome challenges or get out of certain situations, right, or improve those situations, again, that's up to you. And it might be a confidence thing. It might be a lack of resources thing. It might be a trauma thing. There's a lot of things that could play into someone not having the belief you know, and a lot of times, again, this goes to the inner work and it goes to creating your world and making sure that like this life is yours. It's why we are so passionate about this brand because one of our biggest messaging points, I believe with for Kevin and I is like owning your life, you know, like you're here for only so long. You said the, the average lifespan is 75, 85, whatever it might be. And you're not here for a long time, but you better be here for a good healthy time. And, you know, that means you have to believe in overcoming these situations because you know once so for example if you and i've lost a friend or you know you get fired because of the company what have you i mean my optimistic perspective was always okay well that wasn't always meant to be especially if a friend is now gone but if you know there's certain ways you have to look at life and say well listen my perspective is my reality and that all starts from the inside yeah yeah, and you and I have both in that been in that position, um, having lost a friend, or friends actually. I I know I've lost a few at this point. Yeah, um, which we'll get to again. Like we have a couple of weeks coming up. Where yeah, we're, we're, we're I'm actually excited because listener, we we have a whole episode on grief and loss that we're going to talk about that. Um, so you know, it doesn't necessarily contribute much to the idea of stigma that we're talking about here today, but. Uh, we are really excited to get into grief and loss because, you know, those are important pillars of mental health too and something that a lot of people experience. So anyway, not to get too tangential, I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, in the meantime, let's keep the conversation going here with stigma. Steps to cope with stigma. They exist. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, so... On the upside. You know, on the upside, we can let's talk about the good things that we can control and and what we can do uh, to cope with stigma. Number one, if stigma is causing the reluctance to get treatment, guess what the first step to cope is? Get treatment. Just do it. It's going to be the best thing for you. As someone who has done that myself, it changed my life for the better. I'm a happier, healthier human being. Um so get treatment. I encourage anyone listening out there who is suffering with a, a mental health illness who hasn't done so already or is um, battling certain stigmas, especially mm -hmm. self-stigma, get treatment. It, you'll thank yourself later. Um, and your family, your friends, they will notice improvements because, um, you know, these treatments are, they work and they're, 
backed by science and medical professionals who specialize in treating people just like you. So get treatment. Um, number two, don't let stigma create self-doubt or shame. This becomes a lot easier to do once you have gotten treatment because part of what I've noticed in, in treatment is that they there are certain therapy techniques that in, uh, encourage you to think more positively about yourself, mm, such yeah. as cognitive behavioral therapy, um, stuff like that, or acceptance and commitment therapy known as ACT. So don't let stigma create self-doubt or shame. Number three, don't self-isolate. A lot of people suffering from depression in particular have a tendency to do this or bipolar disorder. Um, don't self-isolate. That's going to make things more difficult. Humans are very social creatures and to be supported by your fellow humans is going to increase your mental health. Okay, so number four, don't equate yourself with your illness. And this is what I where I wanted to stop for a second because guess what? Even I have been guilty of that. Okay, so... I've dealt with this particular mental health illness that sort of, um, I guess, part of the problem with it is that this particular illness, uh, sufferers tend to associate like labels. Um, so I, I don't know why that's the case, but it's a very complex uh, mental health disorder. And I, I, I'd love to talk about my experience having dealt with this mental health disorder uh, down the line, but I'm not quite ready to do that. Um, I will be one day, but um, this is why we do this podcast, right? Like when the when the time presents itself and I'm ready, I can't wait to talk about it. But I'm just, I'm still going through it to an extent, so I'm not quite ready yet. However, all that to say, I can relate to this. Don't equate yourself with your illness because I've I've I have felt like I've done that in the past, where I have assigned myself. Or no, no, no. Let me say this. I've justified certain behaviors or certain symptoms as, oh, this is a symptom of blah, 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 my disorder, or this behavior is because I'm depressed, or I'm acting this way because I'm um, manic, or whatever it is, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't have bipolar disorder, but I'm just saying, like, as an example, right, like equating yourself with your illness. So in a way, it becomes like, you're explaining certain behaviors that might otherwise be very normal just human behaviors and how you're feeling um but you equate them with your mental illness that's a negative mm. thing to do instead of saying i'm bipolar say i have bipolar disorder that just that alone completely changes the dynamic of 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 how you think about yourself and you have to be careful that you don't get into the trap that i'm bipolar and that you associate your entire identity with it and therefore it actually plays out in how you act in everyday life because it's how you feel and think about yourself does that make sense it makes total sense and a lot of that starts with the treatment component too because a lot of times you, you once you become aware of a lot of the things that's happening in your brain i feel like the next best step is to just kind of identify what those things are you know, it could be something as simple as not simple, but like depression is pretty like straightforward. Um, having depressive thoughts or, you know, act, you know, actions or whatever it might be, you do want to start thinking about how to kind of, like you had said, make sure that they're labeled correctly and you're not, you're not doing too much. I mean, that's harmful, right? To say like, I'm depressed. You should just say, unless I'm dealing with a little bit of depression, we're going to work on it. Even, even saying like, if you have to phrase it that way and say, I'm depressed, never, that's the key here. I think never say I'm depressed, I'm bipolar because you know, it's almost like, I think therefore I am. It's like, if, right, which if is you, so negative in the sense. Right. And it's like, if you say I am, well, you are not, you are not your mental illness. Even saying, if you're going to say I'm depressed, say, I feel depressed because to say I feel right makes it more of like a temporary emotion Correct. kind of thing that it's going to pass. And I just happen to feel this way in this moment, just like I feel happy or anxious or sad or proud, a, a, a myriad of different emotions. Depressed can also be an emotion. And I think it's better to phrase mm. it that way by saying I feel depressed as if it's an emotion, wow. as opposed to saying I am depressed as if it has to do with my identity intrinsically about how I think and feel about myself. Mm. Good observation, Justin. Well, you, I mean, listen, you completed my thought, so thank you. That was very well said. Well, let's move on here. Um, next, we have the obvious thing, which I think is 
actually, I'm not going to say it's obvious because a lot of people don't think about how this could help uh, cope with stigma, but it's a really important pillar. It's been in, in, how, how do I say this? It has been one of the most important pillars of my own recovery. I, and that is to join a support group. So I'm not going to lie to you, Justin, for the past year, I meet with the support group every week, the same support group on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock PM. We all hop on the zoom and that's been a, a constant in my life for the past year. I see the same people going through similar things, trying to better themselves in the same way that I am. And I I've, I see them every week, and I've been doing that for the past year. And it it is so fulfilling to me to know that I'm not alone. Um, and it, it's probably been the it's just been so important to my recovery. So I can't stress it enough. Like even if you go online and and um. You know, one thing I would recommend to people and listeners, if you are looking for a support group, you don't have to pay money. They exist right. in your community. I promise you. Go to Alcoholics Anonymous, AA's website. You don't even have to be an alcoholic. These are just 12-step programs of of the 12 steps on how to better yourself. And and I've participated in the 12-step program myself. Um and I never had a drinking problem, but the 12 steps, the 12 step program helped me in my recovery. It's meant to help people in whatever they're dealing with. And if you go online to AA's website, there are meetings that happen every day in and around your community that you don't even know about. It could be, you know, um, in the community center in your community or in, in your town at one o'clock PM today, or it could be, um, you know, at uh, you know the the re the rec center or the or the gymnasium at the YMCA, your local YMCA, like they are all around in different locations, and they're constantly being organized. And there are thousands of meetings happening at any given time across the country, and AA makes it easy to do that. And on top of that, not only AA, there's CODA, Codependence Anonymous, there's Narcotics Anonymous. There is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I mean, there is a meeting for whatever you are dealing with and a support group for people going through the same thing that you are. Um, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. There's a support group for it um, with the 12 steps, I believe, on on their website on AA. Um, so I encourage listeners to check that out if they're lo looking for a support group. As someone who's participated in them myself, I can say they are they've been instrumental to my recovery. Um, next step to cope with stigma, get help at school. Mm. I was a little, I wasn't sure what this meant. I guess this is more for students, but if you are a student and your, your schoolwork is being affected or a lot of schools have like therapists in, in their schools, you know, um, go meet with a, a counselor. I think that's important too. So I just wanted to say that. And then the last step to cope with stigma before we move on, most importantly, speak up against stigma. And that's where we get the title of this episode, ladies and gentlemen, speak up. Doing so educates the public and encourages others also struggling. Mm. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I think you get better as everybody else kind of understands what's happening. Um, one of the harmful effects though, I remember reading it was that, you know, a lot of the, sometimes it could be this way, uh, but there's a lack of understanding from friends and families and coworkers and the others around you. But then when you do speak up and you have this like, you know, resonance about what you're going through, I mean, more importantly, it's, it, it will be able to identify itself that other people are also going through the same thing, you know, or have gone through versions of that. Cause there's only so many things the human experience is going to provide you from a negative mental health standpoint that I'm sure most people have either experienced or are currently going through or will go through in the future. Therefore, you're not alone ever in any such, uh, you know, mental health situation that you might be going through. I really, I really believe that. I don't think you're ever going to be alone. I love that. You won't be alone. Yeah. You have Kevin and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listener, come on. Don't be alone. Just chill with us. Hang with us. Listen to this podcast if you're ever feeling down. 
That's right. Have a good time. Just want to make sure you feel like you have friends with you. Yeah, we want you to feel like you're part of our little thing that we got going on here, right, Justin? That's exactly right. I mean, you can come here for safe space, listener. And you can also hit us up wherever you want to find us. Yeah. Okay. Like jokes aside, yeah, you can definitely hit us up. Um. Okay. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We've got one more section that I wanted to go through here, and that is the seven proactive things you can do to reduce stigma. So we talked about how to cope with stigma, but this is how you can just reduce stigma in general, um, whether it's for yourself or your community, which is the whole point here, right? We want to abolish stigma. Get rid of it. Stigma sucks. Stigma can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll put on a, on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, actually, stigma let's put that on our merch. It. Yeah, suck it, stigma. All right. So, number one, know the facts. Mm. Educate yourself about mental illness, including substance abuse disorders, uh, because you know substance use disorders actually do play a pretty big part in mental health. Um, however, not everyone struggling with mental health struggles with substance abuse, but it's important to also learn about substance use and how that uh, applies to mental health. Apparently, but th- again, that has to do with educate yourself right that's what i was saying the key number one key to abolishing or reducing stigma here is education that's what i guessed from the get-go and here it is right it's like a google search a day there's so many things out there that you can be talking about it's so easy to learn it's like it is it really is a google search a day right or like you know what justin we should start like a um like an email newsletter wouldn't that be cool? I'd be so down. Listeners, if you guys, if we started just like a, a generic like email newsletter where Justin and I were chiming in and, and sending you an email every week or so that you could read and, you know, educate yourself just to check in with you guys, would you be into that? Let us know um, in the, you know, on our Instagram comment or something what you think. But because we're trying to think of ways that we could expand luminosity and, and really make it like this uh, all encompassing mental health brand. And we talked about like an email blast would be a cool thing to do um, mm. to get out to you guys that'd be cool right justin i would love that especially yeah. too i mean think about it like we're talking about these things now but to see it um and to be able to provide resources would be an incredible thing yeah that um, would be that the we point be that we do for you guys yes we would make it a point that that would be why we do it to to provide resources for you guys if you're struggling and because and that's how we you know reduce stigma mm. um Anyway, number two, be aware of your attitudes. Again, awareness. Be aware of your attitudes and behavior. Examine your own judgmental thinking reinforced by upbringing and society. Mm. That's interesting. Upbringing affects a lot of the the judgments that we already have and our predisposed opinions. That's very interesting. Um, number three, choose your words carefully. The way mm. we speak can affect the attitudes of others. That's important too. Be very careful with your words. And sometimes saying nothing at all is just as important, you know? Yes. Sorry, more powerful. Well said. And body language. People think that language is just out of the mouth. I think body language is important too. But how you navigate society these days, what you say, how you say it, you know, your behavior, your physical, you know, mannerisms, things like that. Mannerisms, Uh, I'm calling you out. Yeah. Oh, did I say manu? Manurism. Remember, you always say mannerisms, and remember we had that man- whole debate. What is it? Mannerisms. 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 Bro, you so- you sound just like okay. So I I I have known a handful of people who do that same thing. They say mannerisms. So now I call people out. Mannerisms. Remember we you said it one time, and I like gave you the business for it. I'm doing it again. I love it. This is Kevin correcting me. No, but I on this episode, bro, you're right though. You're Evan's right. It's correct. like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm straight up grammar police for Justin today. Um, no, but I think it's what you're saying, right? It's like, li- I think listening is important. And on top of that, choose your words carefully, be respectful, have empathy and understanding. You know, I think those are all key words here. Um, for sure. Next one we have educate others. Just as important as it is to educate yourself, educate others, right? Mm. Pass on facts and positive attitudes. Challenge myths and stereotypes. 
And that might be hard to do challenges. You know, you don't always want to challenge someone's opinion or their way of thinking or what have you, but there's healthy ways of doing that uh, without a doubt. I love this here about the positive attitudes. That's that's always going to resonate with people yes. uh, and it's going to always create good energy. So to, to remain as positive as you can with your attitude for sure. Next, we have focus on the positive, right? What you we were just talking about. Mental illness, including addictions, are only part of anyone's larger picture, which we have to remember. And so I think it's important to um, put it in here for these mm. seven corrective things you can do. Next, we have support people. You know, it's not just about educating others or, um, you know, understanding others. It's about supporting them. I think support is different. You know, support is like actively making an effort to help them because which like could be hard group, right? you know sometimes you don't think you have the right things to say but to kevin's point earlier i mean listening is way more impactful in relationships these days than than talking to people or talking at them you know yes and like i said about the support groups the support groups have been instrumental in my recovery and it's like almost imagine that that person on the street who decides to open up to you about something I mean, not that they would ever like just randomly on the street open up to you about something right. like that. No, but, but they like, might. That happens Maybe a lot. they do. Maybe they do. It does. It does. You're absolutely right. So yeah, we'll go with that metaphor for now. But be mindful. I think a lot of times- is what I'm trying to say. Correct. And it's a great way to build friendships, relationships, start conversations. You know, yes. Even if it's a one-off, like you just meet someone for a day and never see them again. But be mindful where you're putting that energy or where you're letting people have that energy of yours, right? Because yeah. everything Kevin is saying is so valid, but sometimes it gets to a point where like you will get depleted and exhausted faster than you think if you're not used to it, right? Not all of us are in the medical healthcare industry or professional therapists where we are equipped mentally to be able to handle, you know, those conversations that are all about the other person, what they're struggling with and how you should be empathetic and right. And, 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 you know, cater to them. So I was going to say, imagine that your community or anyone you encounter who does open up to you, whether you know them or not, imagine that when they do, you, you're in a support group setting, that they are, you guys are in a support group. How would you treat them? Would you, you'd be supportive. You'd be respectful. You'd listen. You'd maybe tell them how you relate. You statements yeah. like I relate because that's how you, you know, that's how you um, end stigma in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and encourage humanity, you know, and fellowship. That's important. Ooh, I love that. Um, okay. So then we have... Wait, I said support people, right? Support people treat everyone with dignity and respect, offer support and encouragement. Uh, okay, so next. Include everyone. It's against... I guess we're going to law and ethics here, but <laughs> it's against the law to deny jobs or services to anyone with these health issues. That's true. Mm -hmm. There are laws that protect uh, people dealing with this you know yeah um, even if you're like applying for a job or something have you ever noticed how there's like the the disability of course uh, like claim self-identity thing i mean oh, those yeah. law those are laws that are in effect for, on, in like the hiring process um for like human resources and stuff mm -hmm. that they 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 have to document that and they cannot let that affect your application but in that way it's like you know it you just have to include everyone uh, law or laws aside just just be inclusive right mm. and everyone includes everyone that's dealing with every type of thing you know we've met the most you know we've met young folks who don't have an idea as to what this journey looks like just yet and then you have older folks that have never combated it right and so we're all kind of in the same boat here but the more you can think about the inclusivity is 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 i mean it's just so much more powerful you know could be anything you're going through, like whether or not you're in school or you're going to your job or you're make, you know, going out with your friends at night or whatever your situation is when you think of community. I mean, everybody has their own, not necessarily agenda, but like they're all kind of there for whatever they feel like they need to be there for. And some folks, uh, to them, it could be very much to support their mental health and to be in an environment that supports that's beautiful, but it doesn't always have to be a support group. I think you can create that with your friends, your family. But if you think you're at your verge's end, right, uh, and you you need like the source right now, uh, everything Kevin said earlier is so valid for those support groups and the you know resources and you know signing yourself up for what you need to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think that pretty much concludes like 
you know what I had to say about uh, speaking up. Stigma. Oh, thank God, Kevin's my co-host. I was like, wait, episode nine, and you know, there's so many things we could be pulling from, and to stay on one topic as to speak up and to talk about stigma, right? Confronting it, not comforting it, uh, and then to have grammar checks along the way. I mean, I'm very blessed <laughs> to have you as a co-host, and everything that was said. I mean, folks, listen, it's it's. Some of it's listening to conversations like this or having them with your friends, families, and folks that you um, trust. And then from there, coming up with the right plan for you. You know, there's seven days in the week. Pick a couple of those days and work on you, work on these types of topics. I mean, this is the hardest part, I think. I think anything else that's work nowadays, I don't really consider work. I'm like, this is the work. You know, the inner work and the mental health work and the exercises and the things that you need um, to better your mind and to make sure that, you know, you're living a day uh, that's that's filled with with joy or as much fulfillment as you can, right? You can't have that if it's blocked with all this, you know, negativity stigma or, you know, negative mental health issues that are coming from those two things. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope, listener, that if anything, this encourages you to speak up. That was the whole point, right? I mean... We talked about how just speaking up against stigma is one of the best things you can do to cope with stigma and to reduce it um, in your community. So this was kind of our way of paying it forward. And and if we get if we get a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, or more people to listen to this podcast and and you know positively impact that change in them and make them aware of the importance make you guys aware of the importance of speaking up that's what we that's what we set out to do here today and that's why mm. we wanted to create an episode on specifically speaking up because stigma has always been one of my frustrations about uh mental health and and i i have always dreamed of a world where stigma didn't exist in this particular space um so this was our effort of speaking up effort of love for everybody who's listening and no matter where you're tuning in we're just glad you were joining us for not just this one but uh for any of the other episodes you've clicked play on and as we'd mentioned earlier we've a lot of topics coming up i was going to say exciting i mean a lot of these topics will probably have to go pretty deep in order to have some substance to them trauma grief and loss um you know and and more so whatever Which those we're prepared things. to do we're, we're very prepared, prepared to go to deep. because a lot of it to us is, you know, we're more than happy to share what we need to share to help anybody who's listening. And uh, we're just glad you clicked play. I mean, this was the Luminosity podcast, episode nine. And it's I think it's only getting to a, a much more thoughtful and deeper um, place as these episodes go on. So if you've been, with us the entire I've been time, noticing yeah. that I've been noticing that I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm just really excited for where this podcast is going. I'm going to be mm. honest with you, man. And we'll continue to make announcements and make, let you guys know what's happening with the brand aside from the from the, from the podcast or in addition to the podcast. And uh, we're just glad you clicked play. We'll catch you on the next episode. Kevin, any last thoughts? No, that all sounds good. We love and appreciate you guys. Thank you for the support. I hope you feel supported um, and uh, keep up the fight. We love you. Bye.